Hey podcasters, it's June 18th and this is the podcast where we read through the Bible together. So let's jump in and do just that very thing. And as always, as a reminder, we will be reading through the one year Bible in the New Living Translation. 1 Kings chapter 19 is where we will begin in the Old Testament. Chapter 19, verse 1. When Ahab got home, he told Jezebel everything Elijah had done, including the way he had killed all the prophets of Baal. So Jezebel sent this message to Elijah. May the gods strike me and even kill me by this time tomorrow if I have not killed you just as you killed them. Elijah was afraid and fled for his life. He went to Beersheba, a town in Judah, and he left his servant there. Then he went on alone into the wilderness, traveling all day. He sat down under a solitary broom tree and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, for I am no better than my ancestors who have already died. Then he lay down and slept under the broom tree. But as he was sleeping, an angel touched him and told him, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there beside his head was some baked bread on hot stones and a jar of water. So he ate and drank and lay down again. Then the angel of the Lord came again and touched him and said, Get up and eat some more, or the journey ahead will be too much for you. So he got up, ate and drank, and the food gave him enough strength to travel forty days and forty nights to Mount Sinai, the mountain of God. There he came to a cave where he spent the night. And just as a side note, this is biblical proof that sometimes all you need is a nap and some carbs. Can I get an amen? Yes, I believe you are amening me as you are listening to this podcast. Anyways, continuing on, verse 8. But the Lord said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? Elijah replied, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me, too. Go out and stand before me on the mountain, the Lord told him. And as Elijah stood there, the Lord passed by, and a mighty windstorm hit the mountain. It was such a terrible blast that the rocks were torn loose, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, there was a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, there was the sound of a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And a voice said, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied again, I have zealously served the Lord God Almighty, but the people of Israel have broken their covenant with you, torn down your altars, and killed every one of your prophets. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. Then the Lord told him, Go back the same way you came, and travel to the wilderness of Damascus. When you arrive there, anoint Haziel to be king of Armin. Then anoint Jehu, grandson of Nimshi, to be the king of Israel. And anoint Elisha, son of Shaphat, from the town of Abel-Mahalah, to replace you as prophet. Anyone who escapes from Haziel will be killed by Jehu, and those who escape Jehu will be killed by Elisha. Yet I will preserve 7,000 others in Israel who have never bowed down to Baal or kissed him. So Elijah went and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. Elijah went over to him and threw his cloak across his shoulders and then walked away. Elisha left the oxen standing there, ran after Elijah, and said to him, First let me go and kiss my father and mother goodbye, and then I will go with you. Elijah replied, Go on back, 
but think about what I have done to you. So Elisha returned to his oxen and slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople, and they all ate. Then he went with Elijah as his assistant. That concludes the Old Testament reading. Moving on to the New Testament, Acts chapter 12, verse 1 through 23. About that time, King Herod Agrippa began to persecute some believers in the church. He had the apostle James, John's brother, killed with a sword. When Herod saw how much this pleased the Jewish people, he also arrested Peter. This took place during the Passover celebration. Then he imprisoned him, placing him under the guard of four squads of four soldiers each. Herod intended to bring Peter out for public trial after the Passover. But while Peter was in prison, the church prayed very earnestly for him. The nights before Peter was to be put on trial, he was asleep, fastened with two chains between two soldiers. Others stood guard at the prison gate. Suddenly, there was a bright light in the cell, and an angel of the Lord stood before Peter. The angel struck him on the side to awaken him and said, Quick, get up, and the chains fell off his wrist. Then the angel told him, Get dressed and put on your sandals, and he did. Now put on your coat and follow me, the angel ordered. So Peter left the cell following the angel, but all the time he thought it was a vision. He didn't realize it was actually happening. They passed the first and second guard posts uh, and came to the iron gate leading to the city, and this opened for them all by itself. So they passed through and started walking down the street, and then the angel suddenly left him. Peter finally came to his senses. It's really true, he said. The Lord has sent his angel and saved me from Herod and from what the Jewish leaders had planned to do to me. When he realized this, he went home to Mary, the mother of John Mark, where many were gathered for prayer. He knocked at the door on the gate, and a servant girl named Rhonda came to open it. Excuse me, Rhoda. I, I put my Americanism into verse 13 there. I said Rhonda, and it's Rhoda. I said Rhonda, and I kept reading. I was like, there's not a name that normal in here. Rhoda came to open it. Verse 14. When she recognized Peter's voice, she was so overjoyed that instead of opening the door, she ran back inside and told everyone, Peter is standing at the door. I love it. P P Peter's just escaped from prison, and he's like, hurry up, let me in. And she says, it's Peter. And instead of letting Peter in, she goes back and says, guys, Peter's here. Peter's like, uh, yeah, and I, I would like to come inside. <laughs> Verse 15. You're out of your mind, they said. When she insisted, uh, they decided it must be his angel. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking, which, by the way, I'm trying to stop every verse here, but isn't that funny? Like, they're praying, Lord, please rescue Peter, and then the Lord rescues Peter, and they're like, no, it's not really Peter. It has to be his angel. Like, we're praying for something we know is not going to happen, and it's like, God's like, I, I did it, and now you don't believe it. How many of us are like that? Like, we're praying for something, but if somebody told us it were true, we would have a hard time believing it? Yeah. Verse 16. Meanwhile, Peter continued knocking. When they finally opened the door and saw him, they were amazed. He motioned for them to quiet down and told them how the Lord had led him out of prison. Tell James and the other brothers what had what happened, he said. And then he went to another place. At dawn, there was a great commotion among the soldiers about what had happened to Peter. Herod Agrippa ordered a thorough search for him. When he couldn't be found, Herod interrogated the guards and sentenced them to death. Afterward, Herod left Judea to stay in Caesarea for a while. Now Herod was very angry with the people of Tyre and Sidon, so they sent a delegation to make peace with him, because their cities were dependent upon Herod's country for food. The delegates won the support of Blastus, Herod's personal assistant, and an appointment with Herod was granted. When the day arrived, Herod put on his royal robes and sat on his throne and made a speech to them. 
The people gave him a great ovation, shouting, It's the voice of God, not of a man. Instantly, an angel of the Lord struck Herod with sickness because he accepted the people's worship instead of giving the glory to God. So he was consumed with worms and died. And that concludes our New Testament reading. Moving on to our Proverbs of the day. Proverbs chapter 17, verses 14 and 15. Starting a quarrel is like opening a floodgate, so stop before a dispute breaks out. Acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, both are detestable to the Lord. I love that. So verse 15, acquitting the guilty and condemning the innocent, both are detestable to the Lord. Why? Well, because the Lord is a God of justice. And I don't think I've ever um, shown the gospel in the Proverbs yet, but here it is very clearly. Uh, God is of justice. You get what you deserve with God, which is bad news for you and I, because unless you are perfect and sinless, you deserve judgment. See, we love judgment when it's for somebody else. We want the bad guy to get caught. But if we're honest, we're all the bad guy. In fact, Jesus says in God's eyes, if you've ever been angry with somebody, it's as if you murdered them. If you've ever looked lustfully at someone, it's as if you've had adultery with them. And um, this, this, this means we deserve condemnation. And yet, in Christ, the Apostle Paul tells us there is no condemnation. Why? Well, because Jesus came and he lived a perfect life. The only one to ever do it. Fully God, but yet fully human. And he lived the perfect life. The only one who is innocent, who deserves a righteous judgment, a judgment of life, a judgment of, um, a judgment of the everlasting life. And then uh, th- there's you and I who are guilty and we deserve the righteous judgment of condemnation. We deserve it with what we have. And yet Christ takes on death. He takes the, the judgment we deserve and he gives us or he imputes his righteousness to us so that we might have his everlasting life if we trust in him. And then he rises three days later, proving that he is who he says he is. And it's new creation bursting forth so that when you accept Christ Jesus as your savior, it's, it's you entering into a relationship with God and you're not just a better person. You are a brand new person. And we wait the day in which Jesus returns, and he will, and restores his kingdom to full, and everything is back to the way it is supposed to be. This is the good news. This is the gospel. God is a righteous judge, and Jesus came not to condemn the world, but to save it. And that's what he does on the cross, pouring out his blood for you and I. That's our Proverbs of the day. Now moving on to our Psalms of the day. Uh, we will be in Psalm 136. It's another long one. Uh, it is 20 six verses. So I'm just going to read the whole thing and then pray at the end. Verse 1, 136th Psalm. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His faithful and love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of gods. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the Lord of lords. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who alone does mighty miracles. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavens so skillfully. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who placed the earth among the waters. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who made the heavenly lights. His faithful love endures forever. The sun to rule the day. His faithful love endures forever. And the moon and the stars to rule the night. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who killed the firstborn of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He brought Israel out of Egypt. His faithful love endures forever. He acted with a strong hand and a powerful arm. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who parted the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. He led Israel safely through. His faithful love endures forever. But he hurled Pharaoh and his army into the Red Sea. His faithful love endures forever. 
Give thanks to him who led his people through the wilderness. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to him who struck down mighty kings. His faithful love endures forever. He killed powerful kings. His faithful love endures forever. Sihon, king of the Amorites, his faithful love endures forever. And Og, king of Bashan, his faithful love endures forever. God gave the land of these kings as an inheritance. His faithful love endures forever. A special possession to his servant Israel. His faithful love endures forever. He remembered us in our weakness. His faithful love endures forever. He saved us from our enemies. His faithful love endures forever. He gives food to every living thing. His faithful love endures forever. Give thanks to the God of heaven. His faithful love endures forever. Yes, Lord, um, thank you for reminding me over 26 times that your faithful love endures forever today. I'll be honest, about the fourth time reading it, I was like, okay, I get the point. Uh, but there was, um, as I continued to read it, uh, a breakthrough uh, where, Lord, I realized that this is something I believe in my mind, but I don't always believe in my heart. Forgive me for that, Lord. I pray that it would sink from my head to my heart, that even when it's tough, even when it's rough, even when uh, I feel like everything is on my own shoulders and I'm stressed out to the max, I would remember that your love endures forever. And I know this because of what you've done for me in Jesus. Through this gospel message you have uh, allowed me to share in. Lord, I know that your faithful love endures forever. And it is in your name I pray. Amen. Well, friends, I pray that you remember that as you go throughout your day today. His faithful love endures forever. Do you believe it? I hope you do. I know it's hard sometimes, but today let that be a refrain that plays through your head. His faithful love endures forever.